Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of Source Financia, Coast to Main Podcast, and the host of the Source Financia YouTube channel, of course, back with another one. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. Welcome to China Manufacturing Decoded from Southeast, the podcast where we take you through some of the major topics facing importers and manufacturers in China today. Hello, everybody. This is Renaud Jorin, your host today, and welcome to another episode of the China Manufacturing Decoded podcast. Today, my guest is Rico Ngoma. I've known him for probably six, seven years. I think I, I met him in, uh, in Shenzhen in, 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 in an event. I'm not sure I forget, uh, I remember which one, but, and um, I've seen him uh, over the years. He has a sourcing agency in, in Guangzhou. Is that correct? Maybe I recall, maybe you can introduce uh, yourself and, and, and what you do. Hey, Renaud, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, yeah, I think we met the first time like we spoke before because I, I had you on my podcast yep. early when we launched because I was uh, I was using your inspection company at the time mm. and I was also following your your blog so it just kind of made sense to me I was like if I want to interview somebody about QC then you know contact Renault and then uh, I, that would have been end of 2015 and then I think we met physically at the cross-border summit in 2016. All right that was it yes great. Yeah, so that was I think that was the first time we actually met, and yeah, so I uh, I'm the CEO of Sourcefine Asia. We are a manufacturing consulting company based in Guangzhou. Our office main office is in Guangzhou. Yep. Uh, we also have some installations in other parts of China, like most of southern China, but also in northern China as well. We specialize in basically finding high quality suppliers, uh, which means we don't necessarily have you know, a specific product that we always work with. Of course, one of our main clients is in the CrossFit space, so exercise equipment, CrossFit equipment. But uh, we've done, you know, injection molding, you know, watches, electronics. We, we've we've touched on a lot of different products. Okay. And we're speaking today, actually, because you and your team put together a uh, digital summit, right? Source from Asia Digital Summit. Maybe you can... Tell us a little bit about it, you know, who, who is in the intended audience and where they can find it. Yeah, so it's sfadigitalsummit.com. So the idea was, I mean, I wanted to launch a manufacturing course, or a, actually one of my friends told me I shouldn't call it a course. I wanted to man, uh, launch a manufacturing program for a while. Like it's been a few years I'd been thinking about it. Just because you know how you know there's a lot of e-commerce programs around Amazon and selling on e-commerce platforms, but there isn't too many people that are actually manufacturing, you know, experts or that work in the manufacturing space specifically that had programs. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, I decided to put that together, especially during the last uh, year and a half with with uh, COVID, mm-hmm. the normal side of the business slowed down a little bit. So I had uh, more time to think about this. And then also in general, I understood from, you know, a lot of the startups and uh, first time entrepreneurs and small businesses that they couldn't afford to pay for our consultation services. So it made more sense to me to to sort of put together a, a manufacturing program. And then how do I launch that program was the, the next question. So originally I thought I was gonna do a webinar and uh, I came, I ent- interviewed somebody that gave me the idea of putting together a digital summit and basically you know, bringing together a lot of my network and, and having everybody do presentations on, on their areas. And that's that's how the concept came about. So, yeah, I mean, the, the summit itself is free. So SFADigitalSummit.com uh, is where you go to sign up for it. You just have to submit your name and, and email address. And it's a, it's a free it's a free digital summit. Uh, I think we have a little bit over 16 different present, presenters and covering all topics from, you know, how do you build an audience, how you do market research, validation, all the way up to how you actually sell the product with the manufacturing and, and QC and, you know, design for manufacturing, which, which you, which you did a presentation mm-hmm. on um, right. in between. Actually that I looked at the list of topics on, on the webpage and actually what I would suggest for today is to go through the topics that are related to manufacturing, like from vetting the supplier all the way to shipping. And, and, and just to cover them from the angle of, I'm a new company, I'm, I'm setting up a new company somewhere in, in, you know, it could be in Europe, in North America, in other places. I'm going to buy some products from an Asian supplier. I already know what kind of product, but I, so we're gonna skip all the, you know, looking for the right product and things like that. I already know, I already have an idea what market. So we're going to skip all the, 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 the market research topics and things like that. But I, w- I want to get started. I want to, I want to get the manufacturing underway. I want to get the products in my hand, but I want to do everything, all of this on a small budget, because as you say, the, the target audience is people who may not want or may not be able to pay for consulting fees. So I want to do all of this on a relatively low budget okay so let's go through them through the topics and the first one would be if you want to develop a new product and you, uh, you know uh, how can you do that on a small budget right a lot of people in this case usually start with an existing product off the shelf right just because this way they can get started selling it to a certain market, get to know that market, get to know how to distribute and without having to do any investment in, in design. Th- does that make sense to you? Typically when clients come to me who want to create an original design and they don't have you know, a, a, a big enough budget for it, I typically would tell them not to, not to, not to do it just because it's hard to really calculate the expenses before you actually start working on the project. It's it's a new product. You're dealing with 
a lot of different variables with suppliers and molds and things like this where mm -hmm. you know you might have to make multiple prototypes uh, the prototypes could be expensive like there's so many things that you just don't know so mm -hmm. it, it's a little bit better to if you don't have the budget for it or you're working on a very tight budget it's a little bit better to start off with pre-existing products maybe with some small changes to the product or try to go into crowdfunding but then again you know crowdfunding is not it's not what it used to be right so you have to be aware of like you're going to spend a lot of money in the before you actually even launch your oh yes your, your you campaign. Have the prototype yeah. of your your unique product you know usually yeah. or at least something that looks like a prototype an indiegogo starter you have to have a prototype and then you have to pay to get a nice campaign so maybe you're digital marketing expert and you can do a lot of the photo shooting maybe even some of the videos and things like that yourself but most people are not in that case so yeah. it's them 10 twenty thousand dollars to just to get the, the nice campaign all set up right it's interesting because it's like i was talking to my business partner uh, mike uh, mike shearhorn and his nickname is china mike and you know he had a couple of crowdfunding campaigns uh, back in the day, like I would say 2011-ish, uh, when it was really early. And th these were six-figure campaigns, right? Oh. And that time period, I mean, they would spend, you know, a couple thousand dollars and then have a six-figure campaign. Wow. But now I was talking to other people that have gone through crowdfunding campaigns in recent times, and, you know, they're spending five high five figures to barely make six figures right like right you know, you're spending seventy thousand dollars to make ninety thousand or eighty thousand to make a hundred thousand and then you're then you have your manufacturing costs and and the reason is just because it's it's a much more competitive market than it used to be you know you have way more campaigns being launched at the same time you have way more expenses in terms of you know the marketing, the the videos, the graphics, the, the websites, all that's all that right. kind of stuff. And then even again, the manufacturing costs, like like you mentioned, the platforms are more strict than they were before because people were scamming before, right? Like they would mm, they would uh, launch a, a product and not actually have the product. So now, right. you know, platforms like Kickstarter require you to have your prototype already produced and that, that takes six that takes uh, time and expenses before you launch right yes uh, no exactly and facebook ads and similar ads yeah. are more expensive yes yeah also, also facebook ads yeah exactly even the, the sort of facebook ad campaigns are more expensive than they used yeah. to be right. just because again it's more competitive so yeah yeah the bar is much higher uh so if you want to do it for a lot of visibility, that might make sense, but you might not actually make any margin on it. So, yeah. Yeah. so to get back to that, yeah, I mentioned that because, yeah, some people want to start buying something from, let's say, from China. And at the same time, they want to develop their new product and everything. And if you have a low budget, that's too many unknowns. You know, the, usually what makes sense is some people call it a stair step approach where start to pick something that you think you can sell to a certain market that you know and that you can reach rather inexpensively and you basically distribute that product now maybe it might have your logo 
might have a maybe a packaging with your own artwork, your own color, you know, but very uh, minor differences. And then as you get to know your market and how to distribute to them, and as you get to also know your, your Chinese manufacturer, you might want to customize it further. You might even want to redevelop a totally new product from scratch that would be yours rather than you distributing the, the, the that manufacturer's product. But it's better to go at it uh, step by step if, you, if you're really on, on a budget. You know, first learn the basics of how to, to get products and move it to your market and sell it to your market, right? Uh, yeah. Supplier vetting. Good supplier, good results usually. Bad supplier, bad results pretty much all the time. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's just so funny because like as a consultant, have this conversation with clients all the time and uh, you know obviously what do you the biggest concern with clients is always price right and then quality or quality and price like it's always like it goes hand in hand and it's like well i want the best price but i also want the the best quality or the highest uh, possible quality at that price and i'm like it doesn't work like that like if you (laughs) you know china is not walmart uh you have to you have to, like, if you're going to go for the best uh, quality, then you have to pay a certain price. And that comes, that that price comes from, you know, the research and, and the work that you do in terms of finding a good quality supplier, right? And and just in my experience, it's always, it's always been a situation where if we had, you know, good conversations with the supplier early on and they were giving us uh, solid responses to... The questions that we're asking and they were also asking us questions and giving us some advice in terms of the the product whether it's uh, materials or certain aspects of the design that they say if you can change this then it's going to be a little bit easier to manufacture that's always been yeah it's always been a very good sign and and even just patience actually because we've had a few situations where you know our clients were maybe a little bit difficult to deal with mm-hmm. and and the factories were very patient and still you know kind of wanted to go along with the order and was still willing to you know make another prototype for example even though we made one and you know there's some small changes that the client wanted to make you know whereas a lot of other factories would say that change that you want to make is so small that like let's just place the order and you know we'll give you a golden sample, and 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 you know you you'll be able to see the the, the changes. So yeah, I think I think definitely 100%. Like if you if you can find a good supplier, if you have a good relationship with the supplier early on, then it it bodes well for the for the rest of the order. Yes. So again, on a small budget, basically, what can you do? So you can start from you know, Alibaba or Global Sources, you know, if, if you can't travel to to, uh, to to Asia. But that's just the starting point, right? Uh, and people, so a few of the very common mistakes I see, as, as you mentioned, yeah, I want the best price. So I'm going to ask, you know, oh, I found like 20 suppliers that make this um, whatever product, you know, that, that I want to buy. And I'm going to ask them for their best price. So what do you think you know let's say these 20 guys let's say five of them are actually quite good 
and they get contacted what, by someone who says, oh, I want your rock bottom pricing and da, 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 da. Do you think they're even going to respond? Because they, you know, if they're good, they have their long-term long customers, they're busy and they can probably charge a little bit of a premium. You know, are they going to, to respond? Usually not. So people are going to respond, suppliers are not so good and it's going to be very inviting also to scammers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you, you end up either with a bad supplier or a scammer. Right? So definitely not the way to start usually. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know. I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult. Like, I, you know, when you're, in a, when you're on a tight budget, it's really, really difficult to, to find that balance between price and, and quality. And I, I, I completely understand that, but you have to, you have to understand that there is a, some, there has to be some level of sacrifice, right? Like if you want to have a, a certain level of price, then you might have to sacrifice quality. If you want to have a certain level of quality, then you might have to sacrifice price. And, and right. maybe, maybe on your first one or two orders, you don't make as much money, but long-term it's going to be more beneficial because okay so you save money on the first order but then you have a ton of returns or you have to now start dealing with a factory like you said who it's you don't have a good relationship with or you know you just have a lot of issues with, with that supplier it ultimately ends up costing your business more in in those situations whereas if you pay if you pay a little bit more maybe you make less money at the beginning but once you you know, you, you have satisfied customers and all that stuff. If you can do larger orders, then it works out and it's a much smoother process. Like we have case studies of like our clients that we worked with, like there's actually, a, I could send you a, um, a case study as well. It's actually a little bit of an ebook. It was a quality management system development that we did for a CrossFit equipment company. And it started off the client found us with through my YouTube channel and I I was doing a quality inspection for a CrossFit equipment company a different company oh I see okay yes yeah and uh you know the the factory that I was at was the the typical just bad like the Lauban did not care about developing or improving at all his systems um he was outsourcing a lot of the stuff that they were doing right. so the quality was inconsistent and things like that and these were things that you can only really learn when you go physically to the factory and start to understand what's going on the reason why we worked with that particular factory is because my client was insistent on working with them because they had a nice website <laughs> so so anyways um you know, I made a YouTube video about it and then this other CrossFit equipment company came and saw that and they were working with the same supplier and we basically went in and, and found out the same stuff and we dug a little bit deeper and, you know, the conclusion was that they had to change suppliers because they were losing money on returns versus like trying to develop this relationship with the supplier that doesn't want to improve. Right. So you really do have to take those things into consideration. And, and it was not a small company, the one the one that um, found us on YouTube. They were, you know, in the seven high seven figures. And 
you know, they were stuck with, with the supplier just because it was, hey, you know, from, from the beginning, this is what we've been dealing with, but they didn't really look at the aspects of you can find a higher quality supplier. Right. Yes. Yes. No. Yeah. And you're exactly right. Sometimes the conclusion is you just picked really the wrong supplier. These guys would never try to improve. These guys are not really trying to understand your quality standard. They're just trying to, to give you excuses to get your payment this time, get the stuff shipped out. And they don't, yeah, they don't even think of your next order. They don't care. So no. that, yeah, these are really big uh, red flags. Um, apart from that, what can, what can a company with really low budget, you know, what, what, what can they do? I mean, they can look at some of the information on the directories like Alibaba, but being a gold supplier doesn't go very far. It doesn't no. really much, right? And that, have you noticed that the Alibaba website has like removed a lot of those uh, sort of classifications of gold and things like that for the, the suppliers? Like they've, they've reduced, because they used to have so many different ones. They used to have like three or four mm -hmm. different uh what would you call it like certificates or whatever for the suppliers mm -hmm. i think right now it's only a one or two uh, i think that what you what you can do is there's a lot of resources i mean obviously your podcast my podcast like you know youtube there's a lot of youtube videos uh, so i think you need to do your research yeah. if you're if you're on a tight budget of course uh, in yeah. another situation you can come and join our digital summit and the manufacturing program that that we have which in our manufacturing program we take you step by step in terms of the supplier research process and you know how we do it in terms of source financial as a company so you know I, I i just feel like you can you can do a lot of research by yourself there's a lot of free resources or um, resources that are relatively in, inexpensive I think that's the first step. And then, um, I mean, there's also communities, like we have Facebook groups and, you know, uh, forums with yeah, people that, sure. yeah, with people that make products that have been making products for years. I think you can jump into those places and ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. No, good, good, uh, good points. Yes. Actually we, on, uh, on the podcast, uh, China Manufacturing Decoded with, we did like 10 episodes about China vetting. We really broke it down. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that they can learn and, you know, to, to do it themselves. That's for sure. Uh, now, let's and say you... Renault, I don't know if you've noticed this, but like um, for me, a lot of times are like the clients I really enjoy talking to or working with are the ones that come from the podcast. Because I, I think audio, especially because it's, it's generally longer than the videos, I think audio just people kind of pay attention more to what's what's being said because uh, there isn't a visual aspect to it, you know. So they they tend to be a little bit more educated about the process as well. Uh, yeah, they spend the time to to learn and they yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Now let's say okay, you found a supplier that seems to be okay, or maybe maybe one, two, three that seem to be okay. Um, you're going to move ahead with one, you need to set the, um, all the basic terms actually as early as possible so that there's much, you know, a higher likelihood that they accept um, what you're going to tell them. So usually the payment terms, if you're a small buyer, that's going to be relatively standard. 
if you can negotiate to pay the remainder after shipment, that's a plus, obviously. But if you're a small customer on the first order, that might be a little bit difficult. You know, you you could put certain things black and white. Uh, maybe you used to be a lawyer, who knows? Put some standard terms, you know, black and white. Again, there's a lot of resources where you can find, you know, what are the important terms to, to include and get them to sign it. Uh, it's always a plus anyway to clarify the expectations. You know, what happens if they are two weeks late? What happens if they, um, you know, if they, they ship a batch to you and there's, you know, 10% defective goods? Um, you know, um, what happens if they leak your, your confidential information, you know, certain things like this, it needs to be very, very clear. You might not want to go and sue them, uh, even though, of course, making the contract enforceable is always a plus, but at least uh, you can call them out on that, right? I guess you've done that a number of times, right? And it's always better when things are black and white on, you know, from the beginning. There is going to be you know, inspections during production, after production, like you have to let our inspectors come in. Sometimes some manufacturers actually try to push back on that, it's, which is crazy, but they try, right? I always tell my clients is like, when it comes to the, the, the contracts, the biggest thing that our suppliers usually push back on is the quality control standards. Right. Uh, <laughs> Like in terms of the aspect of what is a critical minor or major defect, we talk about the AQL level mm -hmm. standards, and it's oh, that's always the conversation that takes the longest in the contract. It's not about price, it's not about uh, you know production time or anything like that. It's always what is your expectation of quality and what is my expectation of quality. But yeah, you're right. Like um, you know, we've had to enforce a few times. And the fact that it is written in the contracts uh, and also typically, you know, it's in Chinese and English. So uh, one example was like one, one client of ours was making some sw swimming costumes and uh, it was not necessarily an original design in terms of the costume, but like the print on, on her uh, costume was original mm -hmm. to, that she designed. And uh after we had done the first order, she, I guess, was browsing the supplier's website and she came across her design and it was ready to purchase on, on the site. Yeah. So, I mean, we had a non-disclosure agreement with the mm. supplier and, and our also our contract as well said they couldn't sell the product to other people. So we just contacted them and said, hey, you know, see this clause, this clause and they they took it down so you know well it's it's good i mean of course you could have other suppliers that might be might not care and and but that's also when it goes back to that our conversation about finding good suppliers right like, Definitely. Definitely. yeah so the suppliers that care maybe a little bit about long-term stuff i mean they'll still maybe try something that is 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 not uh, is outside of what the working relationship was supposed to be. But when you point it out and you have an agreement and something to follow that's written down, you know, a lot of times though, most of the time they'll actually take it down or they'll follow. Yeah, and it's, and they know it's a problem, uh, you know, because uh, in that specific case with the, the special, you know, the, the custom print on, on the costume, some factories would just say, oh, but, you know, uh, you're based in the UK, uh, usually, yeah. 
our other customers in that case would tell us it's no problem to sell it to Australia. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that, right? So yeah, of course. Yeah, no, it's funny. Uh, it's funny, and it's just like, well, but the, at the end of the day, it's like, well, how do you know I'm not trying to expand to Australia? Like, like yeah. you know, that, that's 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 the problem with those situations. But um, yeah, it, it's good to have the agreements in place, even though you might not necessarily be pursuing it aggressively, you know, in in, in the court. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Main Cheddar Podcast. If you want to reach out to us, that's podcast at sourcefinancial.com. If you want to check out the show notes from the episode that you just watched, that's sourcefinancial.com slash made in China. And be sure to also check out our YouTube channel, Source Financial. All on wood. Cheers. This fly shit. That's what we live by. Get used to it. Rolling all the sweet that I'm holding, thinking she had before she even get the